Welcome to episode two of Poorly Taped, the podcast where two small town liberals dive into the deep end of life's big questions. I'm Brad. And I'm Jenny. And we're here to bring you our perspectives from our little corner of the world. Each episode will discuss a new topic. Nothing is off the table. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to explore questions together. So join us as we navigate the ups and downs of life in our small town. Okay, so Brad, what is your most liberal thing of the week this week? Uh, this week, a coworker was praising Donald Trump, oh, and joy. the particular individual was talking about making America great again, and kind of hearkening back to this time when apparently America was a beautiful and wonderful place for all people. And so I had asked the question of, when would you like to go back? And the person wasn't really able to answer. So I took an opportunity to uh, kind of stretch some ideas that I had been reading in a book from a guy named Sussman about race. And he describes some laws in Virginia in the 1924 and then the 1924 Immigration Act, which literally was restricting the number of Eastern Europeans that could come into America based on genetics and things like that. And it was a time when the eugenics movement was really uh, in full swing. But um, I just had kind of, and then I kind of asked um, if, if that's what he meant, because I know that Donald Trump in the 19, or not in the 1920s, I'm sorry, in 2020 had given a speech in Minnesota where he describes how he has really good genes. And that's one of the reasons why he thinks that age isn't really a factor of in our political candidates because he rarely ever criticizes Joe Biden for being old. Right, because but, I think he knows he's old. Correct, because he's 77. Um, so I had just asked the coworker if that's what he meant by making America great again. Did he want to go back to this time? Um, where, you know, and the coworker was surprised to learn about the Immigration Act of 1924 and then also some of the laws passed by Virginia in regards to keeping, it was actually called Not One Drop, and it was the idea that uh, no Caucasian should ever have any mix of any blood from a, a brown or a black person or from a Jew because that would somehow corrupt the genetic pool. Is that what the Immigration Act was about? Uh, I know, I'm not entirely. I know the Immigration Act of 1924 was fueled a large part by um, the eugenics movement, um, and I can't remember exactly. But so the book that I've that I've been reading by Sussman has faced some criticism for him overly focusing on particularly like Charles Davenport, who was a real political leader and a uh, not a psychologist, but an anthropologist. I could be getting this stuff wrong. But anyway, um, the idea was that they wanted to, much like we hear today about Eastern Europeans coming in and taking jobs from Americans, much like we, we hear a lot of the same rhetoric when it comes to the Hispanic population. Right, that they're coming in and they're taking our jobs for, like, when it comes to immigrants. Yeah. People who are immigrating to America. Yes. 
when in reality they're coming in and they're taking jobs that nobody else wants to get paid subservient wages that nobody else wants either. But anyway, that's a whole other, yeah, whole other thing. Yeah, so it's like uh, it's just kind of like some stuff that's been going on in America in Amer- in the political scene in America for for a long time. What's the name of the book? Uh, I can't remember. remember. No, I can't remember. Um, but it's uh, the myth of race by Robert Wald Sussman. The myth of race. So basically, he is postulating that there is no such thing as race in the way that we navigate it, like with the idea of like race wars and culture wars and things like that. Correct. That we're all just human beings. We just all have different skin color. Yeah, he he starts it back we... with the uh, Catholic Church. Okay. And basically to some decrees that were made by the Catholic Church, kind of giving this Spain and Portugal the ability to take indigenous lands and to enslave the people. Because they weren't white people? Correct. Yeah, because there's a lot of of white people when they, when the world became more global, were trying to figure out where all these other races of people came from. Right, because they didn't look like them. So they must be different races of people. Correct. And so the idea was that they were trying to figure out their lineage from Adam and Eve. And so they were trying to like make the world make sense. And then also to justify probably slavery and taking lands from from people to justify the kind of... uh, It was just interesting because in his book too, and like it's kind of a weird topic, but... Immanuel Kant is someone who, you know, a lot of Western people look for for moral theory, but he also has all sorts of discussions about eugenics and about um, the superiority of the Nordic race as being the direct lineage from Adam and Eve. Interesting. So a lot of this is coming from 500 years ago, because according to everything I can tell, I don't, and I don't, like, I'm not an expert in this by any means. It's just a person with questions and just kind of wondering, like, where is this stuff coming from? Yeah. Like, how did we get here? Yeah, right, right. Like, how did we get to Trump and how did we get to where we are? Yeah, yeah. How, where is this coming from? And, like, it's my understanding that the idea and the, the, the way that we conceptualize race was not all of human history. It's only been within the last 500 years. Hmm. Interesting. And then even, like, and we go back to the 1900s and to the eugenics movement, they were asking like in the book by Sussman, he actually has a lot of IQ questions that are on there and there you would only know the answer if you were a rich white person. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So if you're not a rich white person, you're going to get a lower score. Yes. Yeah. Brad's sick, by the way, we're yeah. recording this while Brad is sick. So the sniffly and the coughing and, Apologies for that, but he's not feeling very well. But the the mission goes on. The mission to have our discussion yes, continues. Our episode two of poorly taped. Yes, we will. Oh. We will uh, charge ahead and. Yeah. So it was just uh, I found so my liberal thing of the week was more just me having this conversation with a a person who is very pro Trump and. And me just basically saying, asking and framing questions to this person about, well, okay, so when was America great? What does that look like? How do you feel about that? And really what it came down to is, is the person that I was talking to had no idea 
about eugenics and about some of these restrictions and, you know, Donald Trump's kind of constant statements about the superiority of his genes. Right. Right. Which is a white supremacist kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know if that's entirely what Donald Trump is saying. Like there's, but I feel like it's white supremacist rhetoric to talk about the superiority of your genes. Yeah. He has good genes. That's why he should be our leader is because he has good genes. Because he's going to age well. Because he has good genes. Yeah, because his dad lived to be 93 and his mother was 88. <laughs> These are actually things that, that he said, which I didn't bring and I didn't know at the time, but I was. So the person that I was talking to, I, I don't know if it changed their mind or changed their opinion. It was more just like they were like, oh, well, I didn't know that. Well, that's interesting. It's always nice when you can get somebody to go, uh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. I never thought about it that way before. I feel yeah. like that's it. The only way to really get people to think differently is to have them actually think differently. <laughs> That's yeah. very liberal of you to bring right. up eugenics in a... Well, and I think even just to ask the question of like, well, when was America great? Like, what time are you trying to get back to when you're talking about making America great again? Yes, and they were... I Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, what, what does that mean? Because America hasn't always been great for everyone. Sure, it's been yeah. great for, for white people. For a while, you know. Like. Yeah. Even now it's hard to argue that it's all that great. Yeah. 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 A lot of people are struggling. Yeah. Which is why like progressivism is more enticing, right? Like let's, let's charge ahead and make America a great place. Like we don't have to go back in time. Like we haven't lost anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, we're losing gains now, but like. We were making some really good gains. We were. Um, so, Jenny. Yes. What was the most liberal thing that you did this week? Well, my most liberal thing was a conversation I had with our daughter. Um, I got pulled over, <laughs> uh, which is not a great thing to do. But uh, justifiably, I was swerving into the other lane because I was looking behind me and um, I was going past just a small section of construction and I was going a little fast and just kind of hadn't everything hadn't quite clicked together. Like my, uh, Adderall hadn't quite taken over my body yet. And I was kind of out of it a little bit trying to get from here to another town for work, but I got pulled over and it went well, it went great. And I just got a citation. It wasn't a citation. It said specifically on it. This is not a citation. (coughs) We care about your well-being and your safety. (laughs) So I appreciate that. I love that they care about my safety. I also care about my safety. But I it prompted a conversation with our daughter about um, our white privilege and about systemic racism, because there are some people who in that situation would get pulled over and especially swerving. Like if I were native, I'm pretty sure that I would have had to do some sort of sobriety test to prove that I wasn't intoxicated. Um, Or if I were a black woman, probably the same thing. Uh, And just having that conversation with her and also talking to her about how, you know, it's a good idea to cooperate and be agreeable with the police officers when you get pulled over. Um, And that if you are in the car with people who are driving, who are, not white, that the first thing you do is you text me and let me know that you've been pulled over and where you are so I know where to come find you if I need to. And you start recording and you record the interaction 
um, as much as possible. And just having that conversation about the level of privilege that we really do have, especially as like a white woman, like that could have gone a lot worse. Mm -hmm. It could have been a lot worse of a situation. And so I think having that conversation is not a conversation that people who don't fall on a liberal spectrum would even have at that point. No, I think the conversation probably would have focused on the inherent authority of the police and how we have to give them respect. And comply. Comply. Um, And I mean, I do think it's a good idea to give because mostly it's because they expect it. And it might be like the woman in me that has learned that as a survival technique. When people expect respect, uh, it definitely benefits you in the long run to give it to them initially and then mm-hmm. try to navigate it from there. Why, why is that? Uh, because it's kind of scary otherwise. Scary in what way? Scary because, like, uh, I don't want to die. So you're, like, you're kind of saying that, like, if you don't give respect to a man, he might... He might, yeah. He might kill he me. He might assault you. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, and I might be, you know... Uh, simplifying a very complex kind of idea and concept. But um, but that's, I thought that that conversation was definitely my most liberal thing this week. Yeah, that is, that's a really liberal thing. <laughs> talking about filming the police. Yeah, it is yeah. liberal to talk about filming the police. And to acknowledge that there is some systemic racism and that there, that you do get treated differently based on the color of your skin by those in authority. Yeah. Another thing that I find interesting about being pulled over in our small state yeah, is that when I got pulled over without the state's license plates on there, and guess what I got? A citation. I got a citation. I know, and I did too. And they, uh, I think it's because they like the out-of-state money. At least that's what I've heard, right? Like that's the the rumor that if you have out-of-state plates, they're going to give you a citation if they can because they want the out-of-state money. Yeah, and I was just thinking because I've, been pulled over since we've lived here for the last 10 years like I've been pulled over once or twice and I haven't actually gotten a citation yeah but I got a citation when we had out of state when you were speeding was that when you were coming here for the interview yeah it was I think it was with you and I when I got the I thought it was with your dad no it was we had gotten that rental car because like the car that I had was breaking down all the time. The yes, I remember that. I remember and the car. I picked up lemon. a rental car. Yeah. And I got a ticket coming out on the way out of here because we had gone to the restaurant here. And yeah. And I started crying. <laughs> I cried because I was like, what is this small place? <laughs> yeah. We were, it was a, the local Mexican restaurant and you just started sobbing about Yeah. I still, like, relive that memory when we go in there. (laughs) (laughs) This place that's tiny and small and, yeah. Oh, I had a much different vision. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it is, there are, yeah, there are things that are delightful about here. But I wonder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it is, it is a good conversation with our kids to, I mean, it is interesting to see. I think any interaction with the police should probably be filmed just because I watched a video yesterday of somebody in Georgia. They got a black man who was pulled over by the police and actually ended up getting shot. Yeah, see, and that's and not okay. Had, yeah, he was speeding, and the cop immediately asked him, screamed at him to get out of the car. I didn't, I don't know the full context of it, but I understand the guy that got pulled over actually had done 16 years in prison under false 
So then he asked, he said, like... Did he die? Yeah, the police officer oh, killed him. That's awful. Yeah, because he... I, don't, I can't remember the full context of it, but the cop was extraordinarily agitated and irritable and just yelling and screaming. And so sometimes watching these videos with law enforcement can be kind of terrifying. And I think I do yeah. see, like, what's shared on social media does seem to be a lot more black and brown people rather than white people white people um, like i don't know how many people have been how many white people have been shot for just generic run-of-the-mill you know like you're yeah, getting pulled over because like just traffic violations right like generic traffic violations yeah. i think it's probably really low to zero yeah this guy was getting pulled over he was doing 80 or 90 miles an hour um just the whole altercation just seemed really over the top and the cop tased him for some reason too and i I couldn't quite tased him and then shot him yeah well because i think he tried to get the taser from the cop yeah so the altercation just really escalated so one of the concerns that i have for our children and for people in general is just the 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 intensity of police officers because I know they're trained to think that the whole, I think you were telling this to our daughter is that they're at war with the general public. I don't know. Yeah. That's what that they're said like, I don't think I I didn't say that to her cause I don't speak in those terms, but that like the, I don't even think I mentioned to her like the idea that has been shared that, traffic violations are the most dangerous things that cops do on a daily basis. Um, cause I think that's been proven to be false. Yeah. I think it's domestic disturbances. Yeah. And I could see that that makes more sense. Um, but I did tell her that like, it's that police officers expect you to respect them. And I think is if you don't respect them, that automatically puts them on the defensive. If you don't give them that respect from the get go, and I think if you're respectful in your interaction with them, it tends to go better. But this is just, again, I only know it from my, like, white woman perspective and living over here in white privilege land. So I don't, Yeah. I don't really know. It's interesting, though. Yeah. But I've always, and I've just always, that's always been my default. And I have gotten away with more shit than I probably should have, for sure. Probably. <laughs> and I know I've gotten away with stuff. If my skin color were different, I would not have gotten away with. Yeah. And that was kind of the, what I wanted to convey to our daughter is because she's going to be driving at some point And it's like I'm important. Two years. It's important to know, like you're going to get pulled over. And when you get pulled over, there's a way to behave that keeps you safe in a way to behave that keeps other people safe. Right. And I think when you're with people who are, not white. If you're the white person in the car, you're the one videotaping what's happening. Like that's kind of what I view as being in that white privileged land. That responsibility kind of falls on us to be able to do those things that other people can't get away with as easily. Right. So that's my most liberal thing in the week. Nice. That's a nice one. That's a good one. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Our poorly taped room is very well insulated. It we is were indeed. Discussing how, although you can see the mud and taping errors, however, it is nice and warm. 
and quiet. Quiet. In our so basement. quiet down here. Yeah. Because uh, part of the whole uh, premise for doing this podcast was to record like us having a conversation, which is hard to do because we're like not really in our conversation element, and we've got like a microphone between us, and so it's hard to do that but we were just noticing how quiet it is down here and it's never quiet when we're having our conversations right which is one of the hardest parts about having a conversation yeah and so, <laughs> and we, so we also put, put the dogs outside here. we did we um, did put the dogs outside so we have four dogs the cats stopped meowing yeah and the cats we shut the door so the cats can't get in here we do have a quite liberal bleeding heart when it comes to, or <laughs> I guess animals. I do really. Um, I mean, I do too. I didn't like push them away. No, you didn't push them away, but like, I don't know. I just, we have this one dog that really just, somebody was going to shoot it if they didn't find a home. And it's, yeah. and he's he was a, really, a baby. He was like five weeks old. And he's a bad dog, but he was kind of a bad dog. Yeah. Our, our dog's really bad though. They're not. I don't know. Yeah, as we look through our house and look at all the things <laughs> that have been destroyed, carpet and toys and, and toys and clothing and shoes. Blankets. And, and yeah. 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 But that's not our topic for the week. Our no. topic for the week is friendship and making friends in a small town and what that all entails. Making friends in a small town is not an easy thing. Making friends as an adult is not an easy thing. And then you get into a small town, which neither one of us grew up in a small town. No, we grew up in a, I guess... More densely populated area. Not a large area. Not like... Not a... I mean, we still... It wasn't like a big city. It wasn't like Chicago. We didn't grow up in like Chicago or New York or something. No, we were... But we grew up in... A western state. Densely populated area. Yeah. Which I just kind of took for granted that that's how everywhere was. I mean, I knew there were small towns because of Murder, She Wrote, and Jessica <laughs> Fletcher, and all of her work she was doing up there in Maine. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> so, a lot of murder going on in Maine. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah she's a busy, busy yeah. person. Yeah, she's Stephen got a lot of horror all. going on up there. I know, yeah. man. Maine is loaded. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't go to Maine. No. But I remember being obsessed with wanting to live in a small town because of that idea of people know you and it wouldn't be lonely. Like, I remember feeling pretty lonely, even though we grew up surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of people, like countless people, but still feeling so lonely and I thought, I guess I actually thought that if you lived in a small town, everybody just liked you by default. Hmm. Or maybe I thought that more, if I could live where Jessica Fletcher lived, I would have a Jessica Jessica Fletcher life, you know, where people would like me and want to say hi to me and like acknowledge my existence. Hmm. I'm sounding real pitiful right now, I think. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when we first moved here, I thought it was kind of exciting that I would go to the local grocery store and almost every time I went in there, I would find or see someone that I knew, especially from from work, because at the time when we moved here and we moved here so I could I could work. And so that I could stay home. It was the largest employer. Yeah, your work was. Yep. And so when you'd go to the grocery store, I would see people that I knew and now 
especially where I'm not feeling good. And like, I'm like, man, I really need to go to the store. Cause this <laughs> morning I went to the hardware store and was like, man, probably shouldn't be out because I'm going to see somebody from work. I really don't feel good. And, yeah. but lucky for me, I, I saw people from work, but they had actually retired and we're no longer working there. So, so they can't tell on you. Yeah. They can't. Uh, Brad, uh, Brad was out in public when yeah. he didn't feel good. Yeah. So he should probably be at work tomorrow when he yeah. calls in sick. Cause he is going to call in sick. Cause he is sick. Yeah. So I'm sick and I'm going to call in sick. And that is one of the, the small town vibe, you know, kind of yeah. feel there is that, yeah, but it was interesting to come from a bigger area where you're right. You, there was this kind of perpetual kind of loneliness. Like you could go to the supermarket or you could go to the local Walmart or wherever it was and not run into anyone. Right. Anyone. Well, Cause like you could go to the Walmart that was in the next town over too. And like, yeah, there's hundreds of people in there, but you aren't going to run into yeah, somebody. Yeah. So there's a lot more anonymity, which I didn't realize how much I liked Yeah. until we moved to a small town. And then sometimes it's like, I just want to go get my stuff I just want to go get my prescriptions and like come home mm-hmm. and not have to talk to anybody. Yeah. I but I mean, you know, it's nice getting to talk to people, but sometimes it, it just, is. It sometimes is nice. I just want some anonymity. Yeah. I just want some of that back. I just wanted to say like, it feels like when you would, when we were in the big city or bigger cities. Yeah. Bigger city. <laughs> it was more of a surprise or like a fun when you would yeah. run into somebody that you knew versus now I feel like I often will spend some time ducking and jiving yeah like getting away from yeah because i don't so i they don't can't want them you. to see me i'm like dang it man i just want to buy some my mini wheats and get out of here <laughs> or, get- or i find too that we run into the same people because we end up going at the same time frequently to like the store at the same time and other people go at the same time like i know certain times of day to avoid going to the store because i know it's no, going to be loaded people, that's like as a school teacher i know that like directly after school and not like when the kids get out, but when like the teachers are done working so closer to four that the local grocery store is going to be full of teachers getting their like yeah. dinner shopping in. And so I know that that's the time mostly to avoid it too, because it's just going to be real busy and hectic, but no, that is true. Cause it's like, also a good time to go. If I want to find somebody yeah. and see if I can run into somebody, it's yeah. a good time to go. Well, I, I was thinking about some of your coworkers that I've gotten to know slightly and I've got to know them cause it's like, Oh, Hey, Safeway. Yeah, you run into them in the <laughs> yeah, I run, run into them at Safeway and it's like, what the heck man? How is, yeah. 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 So, I mean, and so that's benefits of a small town, right? Like, as you get to see people more frequently and so you get more opportunity to run into the same people and it can, it can offer an opportunity to foster that relationship and to build it and to make a stronger relationship. Yeah. Um, But it, it does also, it's, it can be difficult to breach into those relationships because it is tight knit. Like we have a tight knit community because I think all small towns are like tight knit communities Uh because the people who are, who grew up there and are from there tend to have their bonds. And so as an outsider, unless you have some way to get inside of that tight knit group, it's really difficult And that was part of our experience when we moved here. Like it was not an easy 
thing at all. Like yeah, it was really difficult to move here. Even now, like when you go to like, I mean, I was just thinking about local school board elections. Like a lot of people, it's like their claim to fame or the reason why you should vote for me is because I I'm grew up eight, here. Eighth generations here. Yeah. And like there does seem to be some people who really put a lot of stock into into like that makes them more were, yeah more legitimate. As a person, and it's like, uh, <coughs> does it though? <coughs> does it make you more legitimate that you never left this town? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't know that it makes you more legitimate. Yeah, I don't. I don't but, know. There's people do seem to put some stock in it though. Yeah. So sometimes it can make it hard to make those connections and to. I mean, even even now, I. I mean, I guess I feel like this place is my is my home. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. I, get, I have yeah, a hard time. I feel like that's so heavily loaded for some reason. Yeah. I just feel like it's strange when people, like, I don't know. I was just thinking about the school board election or the superintendent. Yeah, the superintendent race. Candidate or, form. Yeah. yeah, where it was just, like, it felt just That's kinda, who they hired, though. They hired the guy that had grown up here. He'd yeah. gone to school here. That's what it was. He had graduated from high school here. the local high school here yeah. and like he could tell all the stories but I think it's like you you know the people that are in those positions of power too like and he has worked in this district for a really long time. Like they lived somewhere else for a while. Like they lived in California for a while. Hmm. Um, but came back and like I think one of his biggest things was he was like I want to be the superintendent here. It's not that I want to be a superintendent. It's because I want to be a superintendent here. Like, I wouldn't want to go to another town and be their superintendent. I want to be the superintendent for this town. Yeah. Like, no, I remember I, uh, that was one yeah, of Yeah, no. Like, I'm just sitting here thinking about all the school board when they were, like, interviewing these people, too. And even when they were running for election, it's, like, such a, like, you got to believe in me and trust in me because I'm from here. I'm your people. That's the feather in my cap is, you yeah. know me, you know my family. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you vote for me? Right. Yeah, yeah. And that can be a downfall too, because just because you grew up here doesn't mean you know what's best for here, for the people. Yeah. Cause there is also like a huge amount of people that move in and transplant here Mm -hmm. and they move in they move out they come and go yeah we do have a transient population Mm -hmm. that way so Um, i find that to be yeah interesting yeah me too but i but i find that it's difficult to make friends that way like i don't know i think i told you that i have met some of the coolest people since we moved here and i've met the highest majority like the highest amount of cool people i've ever met in my entire life and had them all move away yeah like all the cool people that i've met and liked like 90 percent of them have already moved away right um and they're the coolest people i've met in my entire life and it would be great if they would stay here and they could become part of my circle but they're not they leave and it makes it really hard to make friendships here and to make those relationships especially where we are liberal, we're non-religious, we're all of these things that are not the quote-unquote stereotype for a small town. Mm-hmm. And it makes it incredibly difficult to build those bonds. And work tends to be one of the best ways to do it. But like now I have a job where I'm working from home and traveling the state, and you have a job where you, like you said, it's the high, it um, employs... Most of the people. 
It did. I don't think it, I think the, some of the other places have taken over more, but I was even, as you're saying that too, even like people that I've hired or not that me personally, I don't really hire people, but when I've been on interview committees, yeah. a lot of times that's one of the things that we will, they are looking for is people that have roots into yeah. our small town because I think we're trying to promote connection and long, longevity. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just, as you're saying that I'm sitting here thinking about all of the different um, people that I've worked with, people that I've really enjoyed working with, all of them have moved away. Yeah. And it's usually the good ones, the ones that are like, you're a good nugget. Like yeah. you need to stay here. And it's like yeah. six months later, they're gone. They go somewhere else or they move somewhere or they take another opportunity somewhere yeah. else. And so, cause I mean, that's part of the downside too of the small town is yeah. there isn't huge opportunities right. for so then I, I was leads me mobility. to like, uh, self-deprecation. Where I'm more like, what, is there something wrong with us? Are we not getting <laughs> these opportunities to go outside? Because we're just like... Well, we don't look for them. Because I think we... I mean, we decided we were here for the long haul. Whatever that meant. However long that meant. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that if I ever knew or put a time on, timeline on it. I just knew we were here for the long haul. No, and I, I think when we start talking about vacating here, we start looking at housing prices or oh yeah right now is definitely yeah, not a good time yeah. for vacating so, yeah it's like oh maybe we should just stay here because we already have this really affordable house and the other day i was looking at mortgage rates and i was like holy crap our mortgage is only like two percent and the best deal we could get was seven percent and i was like holy moly man maybe we yeah now is definitely not the time but like um i think it's hard for our kids too like i think our son has managed to develop and uh, foster some really good relationships with some people. And so he's had a much different experience than I think any of us actually, like he has probably a bigger friend group than either me, you or our daughter. Yep. Um, which is great. It's cool. Somehow he is the one out of the four of us that's really making it work. Whereas like, I think our daughter who is doesn't fall in the typical categories of life has had her own little struggles of making friends here. And she just has a couple and they moved like her best friend moved back to completely, yeah, to new Orleans and is completely gone from this state and like, yeah, makes it hard. But, um, but we have been able to see them twice, which is, really pretty cool yeah it is really cool yeah it is really cool but it makes it hard for that whole friendship piece because when your friends move away it's hard to do the day-to-day right like the small town is a safer place for kids to be it's safe like they can go play out in the street like we just let our kid go over to the neighbor's house and like we know the neighbor we know what's happening and we yeah. know that he's going to be fine out there but like <laughs> the neighbor's my co-worker <laughs> right, right? So, so it's super yeah. sm- super small that yeah. way um and so it feels safer that way but if you're any if you're different if you stand out from the expectation or the norm in any way it is infinitesimally harder to create town. those bonds in a small town because it's harder to find like-minded people yeah, no, I just remember when we went to New Orleans last year and our daughter was dressed all in her kind of... Yeah, in her like gothy, yeah, her, cool, I don't even know how to describe it. Nobody 
stared at her, looked no, at her. Nobody she, said anything. Nobody made any stupid ass comments about what she yeah, was wearing. Nobody barked at her. Nobody you know? barked at her. Nobody was a dick about it. Like people were just like, yeah. whatever, that's cool. She just kept on she, keeping on yeah, with her day. She just, I don't, I think she, she, even, she seemed so happy there. Like she seemed so happy cause she could just exist. Yeah. Cause she was just a number washed in the crowd, you know, yeah. not instead of here, she like stands out yeah. because there's nobody else like her or it's more, maybe there's just, there's too much homogeneousness, right? Like everybody else just kind of looks the same. And so she stands out. Whereas yep. in new Orleans, everybody like was looking everybody different and weird, stood yeah. out. And, was, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> and yeah. so it made it easier to be an outsider when you're surrounded by fellow outsiders. Um, cause I know that when we moved here, a lot of that initial barriers was that we didn't know anybody, like we didn't know anybody in construction and like our, our whatever guy who was a general contractor, he was pretty tight knit in like a religious group and they, like he still is. And so like, I think if we would have been part of that community, we would have been treated a lot differently. Oh, yeah. No, like, we I think were, we would have been treated better. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. But the guy who sold us our house was just not very nice and probably didn't help that I called him on initially. I called him on when he started talking to me about his Christianity and his, Yeah. you need to trust me because, like, I believe in Jesus. And then I ended up Google searching him because I was really suspicious of someone who's just... F- you know, putting it all out there like that. So I look him up and yeah, he had some bunch of crimes in Colorado, but unfortunately we were current and we were in a really bad situation and not a bad situation. We just were a, just in a bind. We were, yeah, in couldn't find a place to live a rock and, and a hard place. We just wanted a house with what? Three bedrooms on the main floor. Yeah. Which was like impossible yeah. to find. Yeah, All we could find was two and two. And yeah. We had two small children at the same time or at the same time we had, at, they were both small. Yeah. We didn't want to put them in the same room. We didn't want them to have one of them in the basement and one of them in the living and the upstairs. We were, yeah, I remember and we just, didn't want us in the basement with both of them yeah, upstairs. upstairs. I just thought it. I just. I mean, even now thinking about it, I'm like, that's why we went with this. So we have a modular home, and but yeah, you're right. If we probably would have been a member of that guy's Christian community, well, and you probably wouldn't have been so off put by him saying, like, yeah, I, was, I believe I, in Jesus. I was very. We got Jesus on our side. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was very. Yeah, I was very taken aback by his just that kind of statement trust me i'm religious and yeah i'm just like whoa okay that really makes me not want to you trust don't understand you. where who you're talking to yeah. <laughs> well and you know like as we've talked about before or maybe not here but yeah it was man people use religion all the time mm-hmm. as a way to get people close or to and then to take advantage of people and so anytime yeah. somebody starts parading and wearing their religion i always go back and you know, I think about the New Testament and Jesus who said you should pray in secret, in in hiding, not out in the open so everyone can see it. Because that's I feel like that's when hypocrites come about. So oh. as soon as somebody really starts... It starts flaunting it? Yeah, yeah. They start flaunting their religion. And as a, you know, you know... That's I, so religious of you, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, I mean, I'm like guy. using... Because I, you know, I... Yeah. That's I'm being super religious because I'm like questioning 
somebody who's being so like blatant about their religion. Cause I'm just like, wait, that's not how this was supposed to be. That's not what Jesus said. Did you say that to him? No, I didn't. I don't I feel remember. like if you would have said that to him, it might've gone differently. I don't think I actually said anything to him. I think I actually more just went home and I Google searched him. Cause I was just so yeah, taken aback you were like, by Something that. is not right with yeah, this guy. Cause I was like, I, it was unsolicited. Yeah. Too. Something was not, is not right with that fella. That's for sure. Yeah, and it just, uh, you know, and speaking of that feller, like he's someone who actually, he's made a pretty good name for himself here in the small town. Which is weird. And like, so I, you know, when I, I like to ride a bicycle a lot and I'll see, I see him all the time, man. I, I feel like. Which is another pitfall of yeah, the small town. It's, some, it's a person that I don't like. And I remember the last, gosh, man, it was just this winter. We were buying some tires. Yep. And he was there. He was there. In the way, in the, in the mother effing way. Like yep. I just wanted to hit him. <laughs> with something and get him to stop talking and to get out of the way. Yeah, because he was bragging. So he could take care of business. Yeah, he was bragging about his business <laughs> that he had created. Oh, man. Yeah. But it is, so that lack of religion on our part, I think, has made it, that's another roadblock or another hindrance to being able to make friends in a small town. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because, you know, like I, I mean, I, I know I am not a believer, but sometimes I miss the community. Yeah. Of. Well, and when we were in a more densely populated area, there were there was more variety for yeah, like were, there was the Unitarian Church uh-huh. or like something similar. So, so Satya Center. Satya Center. Something different than your twenty-seven different forms of Christianity. Yeah. Well, and even you know what? Last week I was thinking like I think I want to go to church, and you're yeah. like what? And so I started. It's going to be fun for you. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I this is going to sound weird, but I I like I like I like the Bible. I like the stories in the Bible. I like you know, I like thinking about where does this this come from? What does it mean? I like that real contextual view. I really enjoy what they call historical criticism, which is criticizing the Bible and not taking it as a dogma. But, but taking it from historical context yeah, and criticizing from, Yeah. So I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, like I miss that community, especially as I was down here poorly taping our, <laughs> our mud. I, our I think I even had told Jenny Yeah, because there was no one to like reach out to. Jenny. Yeah. Like I, and like my, my one or two friends were like, dude, yeah, we don't want to help you tape because that sucks and it's really hard to do. Yeah. But then I, and not that it even matters, but I had looked up one of the churches here that was a liberal church with progressive ideas. And on the board of that is the administrator of the place that I work at. His wife. There, yeah, their spouse is on the, on the board. And I'm just like, oh, well, shit. I think you can still go there. I, I still can't think go you there. Can, no, I still I, think you can. I, I think it might even, it might even. <laughs> bring in that other benefit of a small town, right? Like it's who, you know, like yeah. it might get you to be better friends with, I know I'm just might help know. with those opportunities. I those know. like vertical opportunities in like the yeah. job world. And I just feel that's just not my, yeah, I know you, I'm not a butt kisser. I know so. you're not a butt kisser, but I don't think that you should let that be a hindrance because you do live in a small town and it's inevitable that somebody you know or somebody you know's spouse is going to be part of 
something that you might want to be part of. Yeah, that's true. You can't let that be a hindrance. Like, that's, again, the small town thing. Like, you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody you know. So... Yeah. That is true. I mean, you might just have to try it out and see how it goes. Yeah. I'm just thinking about all the great lengths I go to avoid people. <laughs> I'm like, man, because I was even just like suddenly thinking about mountain biking too. And I'm like, man, sometimes I'll mountain bike like at zero six in the morning just to so avoid I, people to, well, and avoid people that I know. Right. Well, yeah. and we live in a place that is very outdoorsy. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who like to go outdoors and do things. That's a big draw for moving here. I mean, that's part of why we even moved here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I, is that outdoorsy yeah. lifestyle? I, yeah. I really like that. Even though I know you're not so much a big fan of the outdoors, no. but I mean, having a cocktail on the porch, does that yeah. count? As yeah. Well, the, then even that, I think you'd rather have it inside. Cause I would, cause there's be. still bugs. <laughs> <laughs> so, I would still rather have it inside. And yeah. even that, like, I don't even really want to have a cocktail that much anymore. Honestly. No, you don't, so. you don't really. But regardless of the barriers that have been put before us, we've still managed to make friends. Yeah. We've still managed to find some of our people. It hasn't yeah. been easy. Yeah, I actually feel like we have better friends here than I ever had in a, in a city. Yeah. You know? Well, but I wonder, too, if that's just, like, because of the season of life that we're in. Well, maybe. You know, like... Because I remember one of the things I was the most thankful for was that I was part of a playgroup when we first moved mm-hmm. here. And I'm not even 100% sure how I got hooked up with that playgroup. I think it was like one of your coworkers, but it was through a religious organization. It was just one that I wasn't part of. Um, but one of your coworkers knew somebody who knew about this playgroup and Maybe. like found that out for sense. me and hooked me up with it. But it was historically put on by, like, this church. It was like a church playgroup. Yeah. And they had just kind of gone away from that. And then as I started to be, our kids started to get older and the playgroup started to not be as necessary, it started going back to that. Um, Because I know we met in a church. The Methodist church, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it, but it was great. And it was, and like the preacher guy there was... Yeah. Totally. Cool. Cool. Yeah, he was cool. I don't know about the new feller, but he was cool. But, like, that was really helpful, like, having an end to that um, in yeah. that way. Yeah, that no, helped that was... build some of the relationships I still have. Yeah, I was going to say, you're still keeping contact with, what, at least three of the people. Yeah, that, that, was, we... that was probably the biggest way for me to integrate into this town was through that playgroup. Yeah. Yeah, and then being employed at the school district uh-huh. then was beneficial and helpful and helped me grow well, my too, like, friend circle. The other thing is, too, they have a really robust art community here, too, that really... Yep, because I was a real the local with. art center. Yeah. Yeah. That was really helpful, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because you taught that class with the little kids for... It was for well, like four years. Yeah, four or five years, and you were on the board, and then you had a job there for about a year, was it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I was, yeah, the operations coordinator for a year. Yeah. It was great teaching the classes with the little kids. Like, that, I think, was a great way to meet other parents. Um, And an art center, of course, I think an art center just tends to draw more liberal, geared people. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, sometimes the art center in our little area is very conservative, wildlife 
yeah. art because that's the people with the money too. So yeah, it you is. have to know your audience, but I mean, a lot of the patrons I, I think were more liberal. Yeah. One of my, I mean, uh, man, had it not been for that art center, I probably would have never gone to an art show. <laughs> well, I went to at least what, five or six. Different, not more than that. Different art openings. And I'll never forget being able to watch the interpretive dance of some money. Yeah. yeah. So that was my, that still to this day is my favorite art opening I ever went to was the woman from that university doing. Think, yeah. Doing interpretive dance yeah. of what it means to be in this old shutdown mind. Yeah. I thought that was just fantastic, man. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I have videos of it and stuff. I was looking at the pictures of it. Well, and even like (laughs) some of the people who had made, they had gone and gotten pieces of the mine and then they had put them on like a piece of poster board or something like that. They had had made like a three-dimensional art Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And there was a lot of photographs. The photographs were really beautiful. Yeah, I thought that was, and I... I did want to see the woman with her interpretive dance that she did out at the mine. Mm. Oh yeah, there was but a video I, of it. Ah, oh, yeah, I missed that. You didn't yeah. see the video. Of I mean, some playing? of this is some of what I'm saying is like super sarcastic. Oh, but, <laughs> but, but I'm I just, taking it in like I know you value. are, I'm but like, I'm like, uh, it was yeah. totally video playing yeah, ever. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, I probably shouldn't. I mean, it was great. It was awesome. But like I knew at that moment in time that contemporary dance was not for me. (laughs) But how cool But I still appreciated the fact that this person had a, they had an art opening. They had like a show. And I really appreciated that we live in a society where this woman could like chase her dreams. The legitimacy of it. Like where she she was a professor. She was a legitimate art form. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. granted, I mean, I remember watching the dance and feeling like it was a bit absurd, but you know, yeah, I appreciated it. Cause I can't imagine what it would be like to live in a mine or work in that mine. You know, I don't think it would be anywhere near as beautiful ago. as that dance. No, no, it would, <laughs> I think it'd be a whole lot yeah. less the toiling and the labor and yeah. Yeah. Trying to pull gold out of there. I think people are out there still trying to find gold out there. Probably. So well, I think every year somebody's out there with some kind of prospector claim trying to find gold. It's a tangent story, but one of the friends that I had, did I ever tell you this story? We were fishing mm-hmm. and these guys were um, in a wilderness study area, which is a place that the federal government is considering to make into wilderness land. And okay. these guys were out there, um, big water pump going, and they were trying to pull pull gold, gold out of the out of the creek and my friend who who died john we were we actually kind of jumped up ahead of them and we're like man i'm pretty sure what those guys are doing is illegal but they were out there mining gold oh. trying to find gold and it was it's close to where this mine is but oh. yeah, i remember like him and oh, I, they weren't with the study People, no so the wilderness study it's not were... anybody it's not like a formal there's like nobody out there studying it it's just an area of land that's on a map that's just been called the wilderness study. It's just a designator, a nomenclature. Oh, okay. So it was I didn't just, know that. Yeah, but like, yeah, these guys, it's totally illegal to mine for gold. And here there. they are. They were out there doing that. And by the time we had came back, they had, they had fled. And we were, I remember John and I were just talking. And we were like, oh my gosh, I'm surprised these guys didn't slash our tires. 
so that you didn't follow them. Yeah, because maybe yeah, if you a, guys would have acted more shady about them. No, we just it's... jumped around them and didn't worry about it. But the two guys, they you know they were they looked they looked like they were up to something suspicious. But you could hear the pump running like miles down the down this canyon that we were we were fishing in. So anyway, that links back to mining and. People still and trying interpretive to, dance. Yeah, interpretive <laughs> dance. Yeah, yeah. And into like making friends, being part of a community. Yeah, but what's uh, crazy about it though too is just in our small town is that if some something would have happened, and they would have slashed the tire or done something crazy, like I would have had no way to communicate. We would have had to truck because we were even planning on like, okay, so. Got your water filter, this and that. We were thinking it was out on an old remnant of the Oregon Trail oh, where these guys okay. were out here doing that. And it's like just out in – because, you know, where we live is a very – it's very isolated and very – It is very isolated. It's funny because I'll – Very rural. Yeah, I'll talk to people who have lived in small towns and they'll say like, man, living here is even more isolated than living – in their small town. Yeah, in their small town. Yeah. And they're talking like Alaska small town. And I'm just like, really? It's more isolated than Alaska? <laughs> so. Yeah, it can be very, which can make it very lonely. It can make it yeah. very lonesome. Yeah. But like, I think our small town does a good job of putting on events and having events and having ways to bring the community together. I think all small towns have their own little like certain events they do for their community. But I think because we do have some... We have some liberal um, hooks into the community that yeah. it makes for some better opportunities for us to connect with people. Yeah, and like I think being uh, on the board at the art center mm-hmm. was really helpful. And yeah, and I was just thinking too about the pride picnics and uh, the drag show and things like that. They're much, they seem much more visible here than they did when we were in the bigger yeah, cities. Yeah, even though like the big city that was close to us in that densely populated area had um it had pride events yeah but i feel like the pride events here are definitely much more um they're much more like public and noticeable yeah, noticeable public. but it might be too just because it is a smaller town so like yeah but even that i would say like the religious stuff is far more noticeable here too because as yeah. we're talking about it i mean i know this is march for life or whatever the i mean we've got the because we have a really strong presence with the catholic church here yeah they're out every day holding signs about you know protecting the sanctity of a woman talk to me talk to me about saving your baby or whatever and abortion and abortion yeah so every every year always on the street corner there oh yep yeah, they hold. Holding their signs. It's, it's March uh, for Life? March for Life, yeah. That's got to be what it but is. But November. it seems like every year around this time in the fall is when they're... I haven't seen the counter-protest this year, so I don't know. Because it used to be... They weren't as... Because the Catholic Church and there's a Catholic University here, There's there seems to be much more... Uh, consistency with the like the right for life people or pro life, uh, even though I kind of really hate that term. Yeah. Um, pro birth. Pro birth, yeah. Pro birth, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the forced birth. birth. The forced birth people. Yeah, um, the pro birthers. Yeah, it just seems like they have a much more active presence, but I realize it's the same 
people because every morning on my way to work, I you see the same people. I see them, yeah, and I have the urge to like flip them the bird because um, I'm more just like, man, if you were really pro life, maybe we could talk about kids having some school lunch. Yeah, like or, or know, not having to pay for school lunch. Yeah, or like why does my why can my son actively tell me how to survive a school shooting? shooting. Yeah, like I don't know, and then yeah. as I. And then, and then solicited to donate money to St. Jude's for pro-life, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. We live yeah. in the wealthiest country in the world and yet St. Jude's only survives because I got to do push-ups. Right. <laughs> or by donations from viewers like you. Yeah. Just kidding. That's PBS, but you know what I'm yeah, saying? <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's this strange place that we live in. So, and even that, like, I don't even know how much the cost of labor and delivery is and then cost of raising a child. Like, okay, let's talk about improving our education. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure most of the people that are listening to this. I feel like you're going off on like 27. I know. Yeah. Sorry. My mind is just (laughs) racing right now because I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff about those people standing on the street corner that just, it irritates me. I feel like I have just accepted that they're going to be there and I really don't give them any thought. Oh, I think I, I have the urge. Like I said, yeah, I really want to flip them the bird, man. I mean, you can. I know. I even want to stop by and talk to them and tell me about, oh, so. I mean, they do. Their signs are actively asking for people to stop and ask them questions. Hey, yeah. So tell me about your pro-life God who drowned the world. So how many babies did he kill? would be a great question. I know. <laughs> it's like, that's a great starter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, hi, I'm a local. I have a question for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me about how in the book of Judges and when God commanded Joshua to rip open the wombs of pregnant Canaanite women and splatter their infants on the ground, how that was. Jesus, dark much. Well, I know, but like, I'm just saying like, these are things that, that's why I'm a really big fan of historical criticism because I actually don't think, and if I am reading many people correctly, that that actually didn't happen. It was more like the people who wrote that story were angry that they weren't in charge and that was their fantasy that they, yeah, I know it is. It's propaganda. Is the way so because then like two chapters later they're still talking about the Canaanites that they appo- they apparently genocided. But anyway, once again I'm on a tangent. So yes, you are. Yeah. So <laughs> what is what does that have it. to do with making friends in a small town, Brad? It can be hard to make friends in a small town because I can be one of those people that you don't want to take to a party. Because <laughs> let me just ruin it for you. Let me just so. alienate ninety percent of the people in this yeah. room, and it'll be great. Yeah. And then that'll be end up being like sixty percent of the town was in that room, and it's just like yeah, no, they're like <laughs> alienated oh God, most Brad of the town. Is a fucking <laughs> shit ass. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard living in a small town as a liberally minded person is incredibly difficult. It's a struggle, and yeah. I think it helps that we at least have each other. Um. Yeah. Because I can I can't really imagine trying to do it alone. Like knowing like the one friend who lived here who was single and it was just her and her daughter, right? Like I know it was a lot harder for her, even yeah. though she actually has like familial ties to this community, but it was a lot harder for her to live here because she is more liberally minded. So much so that she left. Yeah. 
she left to go live somewhere else. Because, yeah, somewhere more liberal. Yeah. And she was in a smaller town than we are. Yes, she was. And yeah. she was scared. I remember she was scared right around Trump the time. Election time. Yeah, yeah, because she has a child who is not white presenting. And so it's a struggle. It's a dif- it's like a legitimate fear having a child who is not white presenting in a small town. Like I know I've talked to a couple people. Yeah. Um that way. I think I remember her discussions too or her concerns about just the huge flags around her neighborhood. Yeah, the too. Trump flags. The Trump flags and yeah. she just and then yeah, she had felt unsafe a few times. I don't know if Yeah, I don't yeah. know if she was legitimately not safe or not, but she felt that way, so that makes it legitimate in her brain. Yeah. yeah. But because it is hard to I think especially if you're looking to find like love in a small town and you're a liberal, <laughs> a liberal in a small town, and you're trying to find love or a life partner, like it's going to be really difficult because it's really difficult as a liberal to find like minded people. I mean, I think we have some benefit that they're, because it is that transient community, it brings in more diversity. And so there's opportunity for that liberalism to grow a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well I think that's a, a good second episode. Pretty good conversation for a yeah. second episode. <laughs> so, All right, so, as we'll always, call it, we'll call it a we would rappy rap. Love it for you to share, listen, give us some feedback. Um, let us know. Anyway. Yeah, uh, for sure. Totally. Totally. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks for joining us on Poorly Taped. We hope you enjoyed our small town take on life. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. Now go do something liberal. Bye now. Thank you.